You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. And a good victory Monday morning, Eagles fans. Appreciate you streaming in early with us here on Bird Street 65, the home of just one of only two undefeated teams at 3-0 in the National Football League. Yeah, the Giants are 2-0. We'll find out if they can get to 3-0 tonight. But we're here to talk about the beatdown that was the Eagles and the Commanders yesterday in Washington. And John McMullen had a front row seat. Well, not exactly front row. You're kind of off to the side. 
down in the end in zone. the end zone. Yeah, <laughs> West Front Row, West Front Row, and FedEx though the FedEx press box. But uh, whew, yeah. I, I, yeah, there's greatest... nothing nice to say. Yeah, don't say it. Oh no, we, we can take shots. <laughs> I know. I'm from a stadium anytime we want. Uh, and it was a dumpster fire for the Commanders yesterday, and the individuals lighting that fire were the Philadelphia Eagles on both offense and defense. For the second consecutive game, John, uh, the Eagles have been dominant on both sides of the football. It doesn't matter whether you're talking about the O or the D. Uh, watching yesterday's game, I had a tough time determining in my own mind which was more impressive, the offensive effort or the defensive effort. Do you just say uh, a tie because they so commanded uh, presence on both sides of the ball that it wasn't even a fair fight? I, I would give a slight edge to the defense for this reason. I, I think the offense was a short, explosive burst in the second quarter. Uh, you know, 24 points. And obviously a lot of that had to do, you know, they were down at the end of the first quarter, the big Devonte Smith uh, reception toe tap, which I'm told he wasn't in, but you can't tell at FedEx field because they don't have TVs that work that show you the replay. But nonetheless, I'm, I'm told it was probably not a catch. I don't know. You probably know better than me, Jody. I, um, I, I would say that uh, had they gone to review, there's a good chance they overturn it. Um, yeah, but that's, you know, I give the Eagles credit. I gave him credit for, Hey, hurrying up, get that snap off. Ron Rivera doesn't get the information. Whatever happened from Washington standpoint is not the concern of the Eagles. So mm -hmm. it counts. It was a phenomenal catch, uh, whether it was legal or not. Um, and, and that, you know, the explosion started from there. They scored 24 points. You had the short field on the force fumble as well, which essentially sealed the game, went from three, nothing to 10, nothing. The game was over at that point. So the defense was more consistent throughout. That's why I'd give them a slight advantage. The nine sacks, great game plan. They know Carson Wentz better than anybody, even though this coaching staff wasn't here, they have all the intel that they could ever need about the players that were here. But the vast majority of them, like Carson Wentz, it was big hug fest uh, pregame. Um, Carson hugging, even with Howie Roseman, a little bro <laughs> hug between those two. Um, you know, Fletcher Cox loves Carson. Jason Kelsey uh, loves him. Did the jersey swap after the game. Um, uh, Dallas Goddard, uh, Lane Johnson. But they also know Carson. And, you know, take away that first read. He's going to hold on to the football. It's exactly what happened. Nine sacks later, two force fumble, fumbles. Just a dominating, dominating performance from the defense. And the defensive line, because it was, for the most part, you know, four men rush and they oh, were yeah. getting home. Uh, and they took a bend. Look, I always say a lot of fans don't look at the opponents. So, you know, the nitpicking today is going to be at the running game. Well, Jonathan Allen's really stinking good. Deron Payne's really stinking. And by the way, Nick Sirianni talked about that after game, but he talked about it all week behind the scenes, how good they were. I think Jonathan Allen would be a superstar in this league if he, if he played on a good team. I think people would start to realize how good he was. You know, in the in the, in the first couple of games, they faced difficult tackles, so they they were having trouble with the edge rush because they were playing good players. You know, here you have a backup center uh, who was a disaster. 
You had Sam Cosme, who was terrible. And bang, they take advantage of it. And I love that's what I love the most about this team, about Nick Sirianni. Uh, Wild Goose, Rashad Wild Goose, was, uh, William Ooh. Jackson wasn't able to play. They knew that. They went right at him. They got two big PIs. They always talk about explosive plays. They count from the Eagles' standpoint. You know, when you get those big chunk plays on PIs, they they take advantage of the weakness of the other team. To me, that defines good coaching. So I I give a lot of credit um, to the coaching staff as well. Um, just just a dominant performance. I I I the offense is just. It's so difficult to stop because they can do everything. They can do everything. A.J. Brown is ridiculously good, ridiculously good. I, I, I graded him as the second best player coming into the season when I did my top 25. I may have undersold him, except that, <laughs> except that Dallas Goddard is that good as well at yeah. tight end. He's an amazing player. I saw a personnel guy on Twitter say he's the best player in football. Dallas Goddard. That's what he said. I'm not going that far. But that's how good he is at his position. His position isn't as important as a lot of other positions, let's be honest. But, um, it, it, you know, Devontae Smith has that game. He's the second wide receiver. The second wide receiver on this team. Uh, then you have the plus one impact of Jalen Hurts in the running game. It, it, it's just, it, it's so well-rounded. And Look, it's still early. It's still a short sample size. You can only play who's in front of you. You know, everybody's talking about Jonathan Gannon, Jonathan Gannon, whether it's good or bad. You better start talking about Shane Steichen because he's not going to be here if they keep playing like this. That's a very good point. Um, And I was going to hold off on this point, uh, but because you went the direction that you went, I feel the need to follow up. As good as the Eagles offense is, and you just ran it down for us, arguably the best offensive line, a tight end who some people are called the best player in football, the perfect wide receiver in A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. Yeah, where are the doubters? Where are those who I had to fend off when the Eagles moved up to? He's 165 pounds, stop the wet with a rock in his pocket. How can you expect him to play in the National Football League with that frame? Well, skinny Batman came out yesterday and showed everyone why he is one of the best players in the National Football League and will be for years to come. Where are all those doubters today? They're in hiding. Um, uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, not only throwing the ball, throwing it with accuracy, throwing it down the field, throwing it short, making all the throws, all the plays. How do they not score any points in the second half? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they took the foot off the gas again. Nick Sirianni says they didn't, you know, he took, um, you know, blame for that against Minnesota. He said he felt they stayed aggressive. Um, yeah, look, I, I, know, I don't think they did. But even if they did, yeah, a lot of it's human nature. The game's over. You're, you're trying to get the heck out of there with no injuries. Uh, you're not threatened. And, and there is a human nature aspect to that. People can say, well, you got to keep going. You got to keep going. I mean, if you won, you won. And you just start to relax a little bit. It, it is the definition of human nature. I think that's what happens. So, I mean, yeah, you can nitpick at it. Um, I think if they were threatened, similar. I said the same thing against Minnesota. I saw no evidence that the, if they were going to be threatened, 
And I think if Minnesota cashed in on the block field goal or Herb Smith didn't drop that pass or, um, you know, they took advantage of the interception. Um, if, if any of those things would happen, I think the Eagles would have turned it back on and just went right down the field and, and, and scored or, you know, maybe not immediately, but certainly in the game. Um, same thing here. I think if they were threatened at any point, they would have, they would have handled their business. Um, can't prove it, but that's the feel I get in the game. They're not threatened. That's why I'm not concerned. I think it's more human nature than anything else. Because when they're going at it full blast, it looks pretty good. Yeah, unbelievable dominance that they've had all three <laughs> games in the second quarter. That seems to be their quarter because they always win uh, a flip and uh, get uh, deferral in the first quarter. So they don't score as many points in the first quarter as they do in the second. They're the most dominant second quarter team in the National Football League. But they do have to be able to put points on the board all four quarters. It hasn't been necessary here in the first three games. And we'll find at some point, you know, they're not going to run wire to wire in every single game they play this year and go 17 and 0 in the regular season. So at some point we'll find out if they're capable of doing it or if there really truly is an issue. Uh, but I do want to tackle the issue that you kind of touched on uh, for a second there. And that's the fact that Eagles got nine sacks, nine, nine, count them nine eight of which came from the defensive line. Your guy, TJ Edwards, got the other one, but a couple of shared sacks in there. They were just stone cold dominant. And uh, you're right. They took advantage of a weakened red uh, commander's offensive line. But a lot of it had to do with Carson Wentz. Um, For those who who were Carson Wentz fans and felt he never should have been moved on from and that he was the guy because they made a contract commitment to him that they should have kept the commitment they had no they needed to give up the commitment because Carson gave up the commitment to the Eagles and he's the same old quarterback we remember from 2020 yeah he holds on to the football and just waits and waits and waits and he's not playing he's got to know that John McMullen knew it Jordan McDonald knew it the Philadelphia Eagle defensive line knew it Carson your offensive line wasn't very good and after you get sacked, oh, I don't know, the second time, the third time, the fourth time, or the fifth time, maybe it should dawn on you that you've got to get the football out of there. The yeah. offensive coordinator of the Redskins, what the hell are you doing continuing to call seven-step drops? The Eagles are having a picnic back there in your backyard. Everybody meet up at Carson Wentz and take them to the ground. And they just kept calling the same place. Are they that limited that they can't like adjust during the game and go, oh my God, we're getting crushed back here. I think we should do something else. What the heck was Washington th- thinking? Yeah, uh, you know they're not limited. I think you know the best play of of Washington's probably offense was the first offensive play of the game. They did sort of the end around to Curtis Samuel, who's a really dynamic player and is back and healthy. And they got 15 yards, and then it all went downhill from there. Um, it, they have Terry McLaurin, who they didn't get the football to until, you know, there was 30 minutes of garbage time. This is a perfect example of why I'm not a stat guy when it comes to the NFL. I, I talk about this all the time with you, Jody. I'm, I'm, I'm a stat guy in baseball. Large sample sizes. I think everything turns out the way it should for the most part in baseball. It's a very analytic, very stats-based game. 
football, you only play 17 games in the right. and then the so so the sample size as a whole is very small. It, it, it because of the unbalanced schedule because there's 32 teams and everybody doesn't play everybody that factors into it, but even more so the context of the game factors in it. Like those last 30 minutes. I, I don't give a flying you know what. I mean, the 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 commanders had 50 yards, I think, at halftime. So I, I look at that first half stats and I go, that's where the game is won. That's the important part. And and that's where the Eagles dominated. And then Carson, he did the same thing against I I think Detroit. He had a terrible start. They got way behind. And then he put up some numbers in garbage time. And then they made it look a little bit better in that game. Um, than this game. But, it, you know, first half, all right, Carson, 3 of 10, 24 yards, 39.6 passer rating. That's where the game was won and lost. So I don't care about the final box score. They dominated, dominated the Washington Commanders when it mattered. And, and from their standpoint, 322, Jody, 322 to 50. They had 322 offensive yards in the first half. That's complete domination, and you can throw the second half in the trash because I don't care at that point. Human yeah. nature takes over. 30 minutes of extended garbage time. It was uh, extended tiempo de garbage for the Eagles in their victory over the Washington Commanders yesterday. All right, uh, we've still got an hour and 40 minutes to chop up the Eagles win and Three and O start. Only they and the Dolphins at three and O. Three weeks into the season, I'd say they're in a good position. But look who's coming to down, Dougie P. No, we got uh, all week to talk about that. So we'll put Dougie P. on the side. We want to bask in the glow of the domination yesterday. We're going to have assistance. Up next is our buddy Tom Tommy Lawler from Eagles. Blitz, that's I-G-G-L-E-S, EaglesBlitz.com. Has uh, been following the Eagles for years. I'm guessing yesterday put a smile on his face because he goes back to the Buddy Ryan defensive line dominating days, and that's what it looked like yesterday for the Birds. So Tommy Lawler from EaglesBlitz.com, our first guest. He's up next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement. But would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! 
Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go Bird! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Your Mega Mac guys here on Birds 365, McMullen and McDonald after a jarring Eagles win yesterday. Joining us to help break it down is uh, one of our buds who has been following the Eagles for years. His website, eaglesblitz.com, is a must-check out for all Eagle fans. Uh, Tommy Lawler jumps aboard with us here on Birds 365. How are you this morning, Tommy? Doing well after yesterday, that's for sure. How are you guys doing? We're doing Doing well, Tommy. Appreciate uh, you hopping on board. Uh, last uh, yesterday afternoon, nine Eagle sacks. Uh, Brandon Graham with two and a half. Fletcher Cox, Reddick, uh, one and a half apiece. I believe Mike Pitts and Mike Golick and uh, Clyde Simmons had one apiece yesterday as well. Uh, give you any uh, memories down, uh, walk down memory lane with the fact that that was as dominating an Eagles defensive line performance as we've seen in maybe a couple decades yeah i mean you know the classic one was back in 91 when they had 11 sacks of troy aikman and shut out dallas uh so it wasn't quite at that level but it was pretty darn close and and the thing you love there was the nine sacks but according to the nfl game book they had 17 hits 17 yeah and uh they just they muddied the pocket so carson wentz always had people around him even when he threw the ball, you know, he had pressure and, and Fletcher and Javon did a great job of pushing the pocket so that Reddick and Josh Sweat coming off the edge could could disrupt him and affect him. And uh, the times that uh, uh, the guys in the middle got loose, they got home and it was just a it was a lot of fun. And, you know, the fact it was Wentz that they had their big sack day against that was uh, that made it all the more sweet. Yeah, and don't forget BG, Tommy. It didn't oh, play that much, but two and a half sacks. So everybody, you know, that's the thing with Brandon. He's been such a great player, but never been a big sack guy. So Philadelphia loves sacks. They got their sacks. Now, I, I you know, I got to be a little bit of a, a damper because <laughs> everybody's too excited. Um, it was a bad offensive line. They're playing a, a backup center. Uh, Sam Cosme, the first two games, they played really good tackles. They played poor tackles. Charles Leno's okay, but Cosme had a really difficult game. Um, it was generally four-man pressure. So, uh, you know, 
I don't know if that can correlate for the rest of the season. Um, do you think from that standpoint, it's like, oh, see, we can get home with four and that's going to um, down the road be a little bit of an issue? Well, you know, listen, they did play a, a, a bad offensive line, but that's what you're supposed to do when you play a bad offensive yeah. line is, is, is get to the quarterback. So they did their job. And uh, when they played a really good offensive line in Detroit in week one, they the pressure wasn't nearly the same. And that's just reality. You know, the Eagles have a good defensive line. They do not have a great defensive line. This is not Reggie and Clyde and those guys. They could get pressure on just about anybody. And that's the difference between a good and a great line. This is a good line. You know, there's no foundational player that is so dominant. You look at the way that uh, Aaron Donald is for the Rams or Vaughn Miller has been exceptional for Buffalo. Those guys come in and you could have a game plan to stop them and they still can get through and make plays. The Eagles don't have that guy right now. They've got a bunch of good players that in the right matchups can win, but they don't have that great player. So, uh, you know, yesterday, it, it doesn't mean they're going to have nine sacks every time they face a bad offensive line. Part. First of all, they did a quarterback to hold the ball uh, yeah. way too long yeah. a lot. But uh, the fact that they affected him and got him off his spot and and really gave him a hard time. And last week, they had a bunch of sacks, too. But instead, Kirk Cousins decided he was going to throw off his back foot. Yeah, that was bizarre. And Slay for interception. So, yeah. in a way, having, you know, Cousins you know, did the Eagles a favor and not taking sacks and putting the ball over. Yeah, grabs. yeah. Pick your poison. And uh, right. thank you for going there because that's exactly where I wanted to go next because we haven't mentioned uh, a portion of the Eagles team 25 minutes in. And that's a secondary. Big part of getting sacks is the fact that your guys on the outside and or deep don't allow the opposition to get open. And the Eagles were playing great coverage throughout the entire game, as a matter of fact. And Washington's got a pretty good core of wide receivers. It wasn't like they were playing a bunch of slubs. We point out that the Washington offensive line might not be all that good. Oh, the Washington receivers are, and none of them can get open because the Eagles secondary did a dynamite job yesterday, Tommy. They, they really did. And I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I thought they would give the Eagles a really hard time. Uh, yeah. Because the thing is, like last week, the Eagles were able to look at Justin Jefferson and say, we're going to shut him down. We'll deal with Adam Thielen, and we don't fear any of the other pass catchers. Well, against Washington, you've got Curtis Samuel, who's the workhorse underneath receiver. Then you've got McLaurin, who can get deep. Jahan Dotson's been a fantastic rookie. He looks really good. So who do you? how do you plan your coverage for that? And, you know, it was going to have to be a real team effort, and it was, and the Eagles did an excellent job. Wentz isn't holding the ball for no reason. You're exactly right. He's holding the ball because his guys aren't open. And so that's where you've heard coaches talk about it for years, that part of sacks is not just on the D line, it's on the DBs covering yeah. well. So it gives the line time to get home. And, uh, and that happened yesterday. You saw they really plastered it and did, did a good job. And uh, Avante Maddox and Darius Slay are playing exceptional football right now. And James Bradbury seems to make a crucial pass breakup every week. So that secondary is really, it's been lights out so far. So how much credit are we giving Jonathan Gannon this week? Because the game plan was sound. I mean, they came in, they thought they could get home with four. It was correct. They wanted to take away the first read from Carson Wentz. They were able to do it. He held on to the football, as you mentioned. The more impressive number to me than the nine is is the 17 you want mentioned, Mm -hmm. uh, Tommy. Because even if you have a quarterback who's going to get the football out, those 17 pressures still exist. So um, 
how how much credit do you give JG for the game plan this week? Well, I think we have to give him a lot of credit because we've also given him a lot of flack when things don't go right. Yeah. You know, it, it's only fair if you're going to be hard on the guy when when they give up 35 to the Lions. You got to you got to give him some credit when things are right. And sometimes a simple game plan is the right game plan. You know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. Monty Kiffin was a brilliant defensive coordinator, and he ran some some uh, somewhat simplistic simple, defenses, a lot yeah, of cover very two. Simple, but yeah. he got his guys to execute at a high level. They stayed motivated. They made adjustments here and there, depending on who they were playing, and they performed at a high level. So you don't always have to have a – I remember Seth Joyner one time saying something about Bud Carson having a game plan. It was like 20 or 30 pages. Not everything <laughs> has to be like – this unbelievably complex, this crazy scheme. Sometimes just let your guys go get it and focus it on the little things is the right thing. And the Eagles defense last year struggled in completion percentage, sacks, passer rating, all those numbers. And right now they're top five. They lead the league in sacks. They're second in, uh, in, in opposing quarterback rating and they're fifth in completion percentage. So all the things we were critical of them for last year, they're getting the job done this year and they faced talented quarterbacks not Brady and Rodgers but they have faced talented quarterbacks they have and they've uh, kept those quarterbacks in check and they really checked out on Carson yesterday all right Tommy let's flip it over to the other side of the ball where the Eagles offense has been as dominating as their defense at least for first half of games uh, and John says uh, human nature they take their foot off the gas probably right uh but the show that they put on yesterday in the second quarter was as good as maybe any eagle offense i've ever seen jalen hurts who came into the year as a question mark everybody knew he was a question mark i know it's only three games but you talk about having definitively answered a question man has he looked good where has this come from i've been beating the drum all off season that you can improve People, oh, you, your accuracy is your accuracy. Your arm strength your arm strength. His arm strength is fine, and his accuracy is off the charts good. Where does all this come from? Well, it, he's playing at a much higher level. And and you and I, the three of us talked a couple of months ago during the offseason about whether it improved. And, and the thing I told you is I said it's, it's almost impossible for him not to improve because he's got better weapons. He's got year two in the system. He's got stability. He know, really know how his year of experience being an NFL quarterback. So he understands that. And then you, you, he was able to go away from the offseason and study his faults and look at his mechanics and really focus on them. So he's had all these issues to work on. He's been able to work on them. He's got the right people around him. He's got the right coaches around him. His guys are making plays. And you're seeing, you know, what he can do when, when he's got a favorable situation. And Jalen's always been a talented quarterback. He's just not like one of those guys, especially I happen to be watching parts of the Miami Buffalo games today. Josh Allen, you know, they only scored 19 <laughs> points. They lost the game, but Josh Allen made a few plays where you, your jaw just hits the floor. And, and Jalen Hurts just isn't that. He, he just, some of the things Josh Allen does are just freakish. Uh, but Jalen Hurts is, is a, is a talented quarterback with a lot of potential. And, you know, he's worked hard and, you know, you hear Sirianni talk about all the time give me guys that are high character driven and they'll maximize their talent. And that's what I think we're seeing with Jalen hurts. He's he maybe not as in yeah. that category of homes, uh, Mahomes and, and Rogers and, and guys like Josh Allen that are freaks, but you're going to see him get everything he can out of the talent he's got. And 
He's off to a great start in 2022. Yeah, one of the things that bothered me about that playoff game last year, Tommy, was everybody looking at Josh Allen, not just the Eagles and, and Patrick Mahomes, and going back and forth, and they're saying, oh, we don't have that. We need that. Like, it's a consistent week-to-week thing, even with those players. I agree right. with everything you're saying, and that, you know, they have that top-tier talent that 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 people can't reach. Um, most quarterbacks, and that's not a criticism of, of Jalen Hurts, very few quarterbacks can reach that level. But it's not consistent over 17 weeks. There's a lot of ways you can win a football game. You mentioned Buffalo. I don't know. How many times did Josh Allen throw it yesterday? 60-something? And they lost. And they lost the football game. And Eaton, you can't reach Josh Allen's level. I'm agreeing with that. And so I don't understand this relentless pursuit of what I consider a ghost. I mean, they exist, but they're, they're very rare. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you, you can't necessarily get that, but right now the Eagles are a Super Bowl contender. If you go to tankathon, they'll, they're going to have the 17th pick in the draft. Now, unfortunately we're seventh pick. Unfortunately, we're only through three weeks, but I'm going to say it right here. And, and we're always taping. So clip this. <laughs> I'm extending Jalen Hurts as soon as I can. The the odds, uh, you know, they can't do it until after the season. They're going to have to start over. I don't care if it's Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. And, by the way, they're not going to be in a position to get that guy, even with the seventh pick. Um, you're going to have to start over, even guys of that talent. You're, 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 you have a young quarterback who hasn't hit the prime of his career He's got this amazing work ethic. He he does everything to maximize what he has. Why am I pulling the plug on that? I'm going forward with that. Oh, we muted. Are, are you getting Tommy? No, not even Tommy. We lost your audio, Tommy. Tone, could you... Uh... Try to get uh, Tommy. I wanted to hear his thoughts on that. But, yeah, and that's where I am. Uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Tommy, we got you again? No, we've got some kind of issue with Tommy's microphone. We'll see if we can figure that out. You're right. Um, and, oh, by the way, he could be better or worse next week, Jalen Hurts, week after week. After. Oh, it's I irrelevant. You can't, you can't do anything till after the season's no. over and done with. Behind closed doors, Howie Roseman is talking to... Jeffrey Laurie and uh, Nick Sirianni, whatever. Oh, and they're heavily leaning in that direction, but they can't do anything. So you, you need to let this season play itself out. Yeah, you have before to. anything well, can be done. Can yeah, we now, got coming. Yeah, we okay. got you. So what I was going to say is, so I agree with a lot of what you're saying, John. The one thing I'll tell you, we we still have a couple more tests for for oh, yeah. Jalen to pass. He's got to. Uh, we need to see him play against a an elite type defense. And see how it is because you you saw him struggle the first part of the Detroit game when they were playing a lot of man coverage and the pass rush was affecting him. You saw him struggle early a little bit yesterday when he looked out of sync. And again, you had a team that was playing an aggressive defense and 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 getting some pressure. And now uh, he obviously righted the ship both games and looked sensational. But you know you saw hints of it. What is he going to do if he plays against you know Tampa Bay's defense, right? And that's yeah. what we that that's a test. The other test is to see what happens. When the Eagles have one of those uh, screw up games where, you know, he fumbles or Miles Sanders fumbles, 
they give up a kickoff return, and all of a sudden they find themselves down 17 to nothing or 21 to three. And can he rally? And we saw him last year play well in some blowouts, but they were like epic blowouts and they were like, we're talking about garbage time with Wentz. He had some garbage time yards against Dallas and Kansas city early on last year. What we want to see is what, if the team falls down by a couple of touchdowns, can he rally them and, and bring them on a comeback into the game? So and real those, quick, those Tommy, are a couple of tests. Yeah. Just to follow up. I agree with everything you're saying. There's going to be hiccups. There's going to be bad games. There's going to be ugly games at some point. I don't know when, but they're coming. That sure. happens to everybody in the NFL. I'm, I'm baking that in with my thought process. Like I don't want to start over. I have AJ Brown. I have Devontae Smith. Even if I get the best rookie quarterback, I'm taking a step back. I think no, the championship and, and, window is open. You know, I, I I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Uh, and, and listen, if 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 you watched the debacle last night, you can't help but sit there and watch Russell Wilson play yeah. and yeah. think, is it a good thing the Eagles didn't get him? You know, he made it clear he did not want to come to Philadelphia. They did give him up a lot, you know, a couple first-round picks to get him. He'd have come in, you know, he'd have had a much more functional coaching situation here. Denver's a mess, right? So some yeah. of that's not on Russell Wilson. They struggle to get plays called, and I feel bad for Russell in that standpoint. But you still you see that it's not automatic that you go get a quarterback, you bring into your system, and he's going to perform at the same level. You know, circumstances matter. And you're right. Look, look, Jared Goff was the number one pick in 2016. Carson Wentz was number two. They're both on their second team. And both of them have had disappointing careers to this point. So getting uh, Young or Stroud in the upcoming draft, if, if the Eagles magically had the number one pick, no guarantee that that guy's going to be better than Hurts. So, you know, Hurts is a, is a good player. The question is, can he become a great player? We're all looking for great players. If, if you go back to, to Bill Walsh, even when Joe Montana was his quarterback, he yeah. was looking around at other quarterbacks thinking, well, what, you know, when John Elway came out, he was, he, he, he looked into potentially trying to trade for John Elway uh, late in, in the, in the career. He'd looked into trying to trade for Jim Everett uh, when he was a, a coming into the draft. We all see the guy that's six, four, six, five, big, strong arm mobile. And you go, what if he had that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've done well, well with, I Joe Montana, with Trevor Lawrence, that? you know, it's Doug Peterson week. So I'm going to say with Trevor, Trevor, you know, has that different ceiling. Um, but man, Jalen's he's got all the intangibles, works hard. You know, I, I can't help correlate 20 uh, between 2016 and 2017. Carson Wentz went out and worked with Tom House and company. I don't think it was um, a coincidence that he had his best season. His mechanics were better. And then he kind of fell off again. He didn't go back. Jalen did the same thing this year. His mechanics are better. His accuracy are better. I guarantee you he's going back next year. That's oh, just the guy he is. I, I totally agree with that. And that's what I love about him. And uh, Les Bowen wrote a piece this morning talking about Carson after the game saying, well, I need to hold on to the ball. And Les said that's the 8,729th time he said that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, he, we've – Carson is a talented player and hardworking and tough, but the mistakes he's repeated year after year, they don't get addressed. He says it to the media, oh, I'm going to work on it. And then there's, it's the same mistake the next week. And Tommy, you uh, mentioned we, we it was a good thing that. that they, you mentioned it was a good thing they didn't get Russell Wilson. 
Um, how did Sean Watson play yesterday? Oh, that's right. He's not playing. Uh, <laughs> the Eagles, Eagles made an attempt to get their hands on him, too. Maybe the thing that I like most about Jalen Hurts, and this is probably a fault of mine, I listen to the naysayers too much. And it annoys me when I think the naysayers are wrong and then they're proven wrong. Oh, Jalen Hurts runs too much after the Detroit game. Yeah, yeah, okay, he made some plays, but he's running all over the place. It can't be sustained. You can't play quarterback like that in the National Football League. How did he do yesterday? He didn't have to take off. There was no pressure in the pocket. He had all the time that he needed, and he had wide receivers who were getting open, and he delivered them the football. So it wasn't, oh, Jalen loves to run. Jalen lives to run. He can't do anything but run. No, 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 no. If he has to stay in the pocket, he'll stay in the pocket. He'll pick him apart that way and throw for 300 yards. Uh, those who are saying Jalen Hurts will never be a top-flight quarterback because he's always dying to run, no, he's not. He only runs when he needs to run. Every once in a while, I think uh, Steichen gets a little heavy-handed with the designed runs of the RPOs, but I don't think Jalen – I think Jalen Hurts is perfectly fine and happy being a pocket quarterback. How about you? I think there's a little truth on both sides there. I think it's it's his instinct to run because it's what he's done his whole life. In college, and go back to high school, how did anybody ever tackle that dude, right? And then in college, you know, you looked at the running numbers he put up at Alabama and Oklahoma, they were just fantastic. I mean, he could make plays with his legs. Now, at Oklahoma, he became a, a, an effective passer and put up some good numbers. A lot of that was schematic due to Lincoln Riley and the fact that guy is just a freaking genius. And as Jalen's come to the NFL, I think it still sometimes is his instinct when there's a little bit of pressure to take off. But I think he and the coaches have worked to say, trust the pocket and get the ball to your guys. And last year, he didn't have the guys to get it to. You know, Jalen Rager, obviously, we know he had issues. Uh, Quez Watkins, you know, young guy learning things. And then Devontae was a rookie. This year, he's got Devontae in year two. He's got AJ as an absolute workhorse stud of a receiver. And then you've got Zach Pascal as a role player, Quez Watkins as a role player, Dallas Goddard as one of the best tight ends in football. So this year he can really get the ball to his guys. So I think he understands there's real value in staying in the pocket. And he, I think he, he and the coaches are working on that. And again, <laughs> when I say it's his instinct, that's that's not an insult to him. When, when you were the best player in, in high school and college and taking off and running led to big plays and championships, how could you not bring some of that to the NFL? So now he's learning, hey, if I get the ball to those guys and they make plays, the whole team is better. And that's where we're really going to win games and have sustained success. Tommy, bring up those weapons. And you've been co covering this team for a long time. So I, I want to get your thoughts on this when I say this. Not from – they've only been together for three games. So obviously not from a production standpoint. But has this franchise ever had a more talented trio than A.J. Brown – Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. I don't think they have. Wow. Yeah. I mean, if you went back to, was there a time when Fred Barnett, Chris Carter and Keith Jackson were all three playing at a high level, their careers kind of went up and down because Carter was, was out of here at a certain point. That's the only group that I could think of that would compare. Um, you know, when you look at uh, uh, Deshaun, and uh, and Jeremy Macklin and and Selleck. but Selleck was more of a complimentary receiver. Dallas is a weapon. Yeah, you, know, you watch that tight end screen yesterday. You get the ball to him, he makes the one guy miss, and he just he's gone. Yeah, and Brent Selleck. What patience, Brent death, by the way. He never did that. Yeah, you oh, never yeah. see a tight end who can block like Dallas Goddard, and then he's got the football IQ to let 
the blocking setup for him on a tight end screen. He is an amazing player. Dallas. He Dallas. really is. He, he's, he's become a, I mean, you know, listen, uh, Kittle and, and Kelsey are, are elite tight ends. Waller's an elite tight end. To me, Goddard's right up in that, in that next level or, or pushing him because he's a great blocker. He's a better blocker than those guys. Oh yeah. And he's got great hands. And then he is as good a, re- a receiver after the catch as any tight end I've seen in a while. So he has become an absolute weapon for the Eagles and, you know, quarterbacks love tight ends. So that's another thing that the relationship with, with him and, and Hertz is, is good because they can design all those little RPOs and screens, little simple ways to get the ball to Goddard and Goddard makes a play because he's got a mismatch on a linebacker who just can't run with him. So that, that gives Hertz a really intriguing weapon right there. Tommy, since we have you, we might as well uh, take a peek with you next week to the upcoming game. Can the Eagles get to 4-0? and the Jacksonville Jaguars come to town. I was on uh, CBS Sports Radio yesterday uh, with Zach Gelb at the end of Ion Football, and he was almost making excuses for the Charger defense that their offense was so bad because Herbert shouldn't have been out there on the field playing in pain, wincing as he's throwing. But that is the reason why the Jags were able to go up and down the field against the Charger defense. Come on, Zach. I'm, I'm That's what I, I said. Come on. Are you really? You're going to go there? You're going to give their defense yeah. a pass because Justin Herbert is playing hurt? No, the Jags carved them up. Trevor Lawrence was throwing the ball all over the lot. You talk about a guy coming of age. We think Jalen's coming of age. Oh, so is uh, Trevor Lawrence under Doug uh, Peterson's tutelage down there in Jacksonville. They're gonna they're gonna come in here and challenge this football team. We saw what the Eagles did in a uh, return game against Carson Wentz. What's it gonna be like next week when Doug Peterson brings his Jaguars into town against the Eagles? It's gonna be a tough test, and we've talked about Jalen needing to face a good defense. Well, the Jaguars have a loaded defense, and that's gonna be his his first real tough test of the of the year uh that front seven of theirs is absolutely loaded and doug has you you see the value in a real nfl coach when you get yeah. Urban Meyer out of there doug peterson in and he knows how to uh build a relationships and bond, bonds with players and he knows how to coach quarterbacks and jacksonville had talent they just didn't have structure and culture and he's given them both and that's a good team it feels weird to say it but that's a good team. So I think we froze up Tommy again. So we'll see if we can bring him back, but he's right. Uh, Jody with uh, Jacksonville. That was the easiest prediction I can make is that Doug Peterson would be so well liked because he's so much better than the other guy. Um, and it's turned out that way. And he is people forget when Doug first got here, I mean, they called it the quarterback incubator when he was here with Frank Reich and John DiPolippo. They did a phenomenal job early on with Carson Wentz. Obviously, it didn't. It went in a, a different direction. But he's great with young quarterbacks, and you see it with Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence is, boy, that guy's talented. Absolutely. Well, you know, you, he had success in helping to develop Mahomes in Kansas City, uh, and then obviously they've done great things with. Uh, uh, they did good things with Carson Wentz in Philadelphia, and now he's doing them with Trevor Lawrence. So he knows how to to speak their language. He knows what they're going through. You know, he he was there with Favre when Favre was a, a young quarterback years ago, thirty years ago, I guess. And so he's seen development as a player, as an assistant coach, as a head coach. He takes all that experience and he's able to to use that to develop Lawrence. So 
Uh, Trevor should be very happy that Jacksonville hired the right guy. And it's going to be interesting to see if that, that team, which has never, they haven't sustained success since going back to the Tom Coughlin era. It'll be interesting yeah. to see if they can do it. Tommy, great stuff. We appreciate you jumping in for uh, 20 minutes with us here today. We're certainly going to get you back on uh, after we get to another couple of games. Thanks for joining us today. We'll talk again soon. Sounds good, fellas. Y'all have a great week. Check Thanks, out Tom. his website, Eagles Blitz. That's I-G-G-L-E-S Blitz.com. Tommy's been uh, following the Eagles forever. Gave us a good uh, kind of out of town. Tommy uh, lives uh, outside of Philadelphia, but he stays on top of everything Eagles, and uh, I do check out his website on a uh, regular basis. You should as well. All right, he's John McMone. I'm Jody McDonald. Hour number two, we're going to get our bud, Chris Franklin from NJ.com, who was down there in the end zone with John McMullen yesterday at, uh, at X-Field, um, watching the Eagles take apart the commanders. Mac and I have a couple more things we got to break down before Mr. Franklin joins us here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
You got your Mag and Mag guys here on Bird Street 65, a victorious Monday after the Eagles dismissed their third opponent of the year. Yesterday, it was the Commanders down in Washington, 28-8, um, and it really, 24-8, excuse me, and it wasn't nearly as competitive as the score looks, as Johnny uh, gave us no. in the first hour. It was over at half. What happened in the second half will go into the record books, but did it really have an outcome on the game? Not really. The game had already been decided. So, um, yeah, I'm going to mention it this week leading up to the game against the Jaguars. Be nice if they scored some second half points. They've only got 14, some fourth quarter points. They have none in three games, but it really hasn't been necessary. So it's it, until it becomes a game that sits in the balance in the fourth quarter and they don't get any points and they end up on the short end of a score. It's something that we will, will wait on getting overly uh, critical about. Here's one thing that I want to be critical about. Well, I want to, I want to critique critiques. Because one of the knocks on Jalen Hurts coming into the season, those who thought the Eagles should have got out and gotten Russell Wilson and or uh, the... Uh, by the way, the Eagles thought that. Let's not be revisionist historians. Uh, you know, people blame us, uh, blame the media. We didn't make that stuff out of whole 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 cloth. Uh, that, that was your Philadelphia Eagles. So they can act like, oh, we knew, we knew. They didn't yeah. know. They, yeah. they they did seriously they hoped. inquire about two other quarterbacks yeah. during this offseason. Um, but uh, Jalen Hurts has, has answered all the critics. I won't call the Eagles a critic. I'll just call them a keeping all options open group. Um, well, again, one of the knocks on Jalen Hurts was that he doesn't get the ball out quickly enough. That he, too, holds on to it too long. Well, you saw in stark contrast yesterday a quarterback who gets the ball out quickly enough and a quarterback who holds on to the ball too long. And that was Jalen Hurts getting it out as quickly as he did and Carson Wentz holding and holding and holding and going down, going down, going down. Um, I thought that that criticism was always somewhat overstated, John. I thought a more legit criticism was that he would take off too quickly, that he would feel the rush in his first as Tommy, I thought Tommy did a great job uh, pointing it out and explaining it. That's what he had done his entire life. He was so much better than other athletes, even in the SEC and the Big 12. When in doubt, pull it down, make 20. Why not? Why wouldn't you do something like that? Yeah. Because yeah. it's more difficult in the NFL. And oh, by the way, they hit harder in the NFL and you can get a, end up being injured more in the NFL. So you needed to curb that. You needed to see Jalen become a combination player quarterback in the pocket first running quarterback second sometimes is certainly his first year when he took over for Carson and at times last year I thought he was a little too quick to take off and make a play with his legs didn't do it at all yesterday because why the plays were there the wide receivers were open the blocking was there Johnny Mack he didn't even have to think about running because all he had to do was sit there and pick apart the Washington defense now, uh, well, yeah, I mean, and, and you know, that was the strength of the Washington defense as well. When they did have the few designed uh, run, and they didn't run the football well, but who cares? I mean, that's the strength of Washington, that interior defensive line, and they were able to uh, utilize the passing game. I think more when people said that Jalen Hurts held on to, to the football too much, I think it was more about getting the football out late. Um, um when he was throwing the football, uh, which I think is fair, uh, you know, but 
sometimes he didn't trust what he he saw as as coaches would say uh, and hesitate a little bit and once you hesitate that window closes really quickly at the NFL level um, he's a great deep thrower um, and and sometimes last year he would he would get the ball out a little bit late on those plays and that disrupts the timing yesterday he had AJ Brown open for a touchdown he was late one of the rare poor he was just late um late getting the football out so there's still uh he's already improved drastically and there's still more improvement and that's why i was talking with tommy it's not that he's not going to have hiccups every quarterback has hiccups the best quarterbacks of all time have hiccups and bad games and there's going to be some adversity but i don't want to start over this this guy's already developed to the point you're starting over no matter how talented uh the next quarterback would be you're starting over as an offense and this offense looks pretty good to me and yeah he's still gonna but he's gonna get better and he's already gotten better and he's starting to trust himself more he's starting to trust the offense more and that should only improve going forward um there's no reason you know, I say this all the time. It's my pet peeve with the Sixers in the Sam Hankey era. And you you've heard me say it numerous times. Player development is real. You don't just draft a good player or a bad player. Situations matter. It's the job of the coaching staff to get everything they can out of a particular player. Some bad coaching staffs do a bad job with that. You know, some staffs do a great job with that. I often wonder if the Eagles made a different decision in 1999 and took one of those other quarterbacks, whether it was Tim Couch or Achilles Smith, or and and they got with Andy Reid, and poor Donovan McNabb had to go to their crappy situations, how that would have changed NFL sort of lore and Philadelphia lore. Player development matters. It really, really does. And it's funny because I had no idea you're going back to 99. Wow. I just. The the quarterback that I wanted in that draft, Johnny Mack, was none of the top three. I actually like Culpepper better than any of them. Dante. I covered Dante. Dante was a great. People forget. He he had one of the best years ever. Um, I'll pull it up. And I mean. He was the NFL Offensive Player of the Year. Um, then he had a horrific knee injury, and that kind of went things in a negative direction for him. Uh, but there was a short, uh, short frame where he was completely, completely dominant. Um, and yeah, throw Dante in that mix as well because if Andy Reid got him, um, probably would have been even better. Uh, and and. There is a, you know, people think, and I say it all the time with Jefferson or Metcalf, people just think you're going to take that player, pluck him in this offense, and he's going to be the same player. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Culpepper was Central Florida, right? UCF? Yeah. Yeah. I I remember. um, You might recognize the name because you've been doing this for a long time, too. Uh, I used to have a guy come on my shows back in the 90s, uh, Dave T. Thomas. Was one of the oh, yeah, forerunners, yeah, yeah, one of the forerunners of uh, the draft, which has now become a cottage industry into itself. But I used to have Dave T on my show all the time, and he gave me a call 
shoot, end of September, uh, first weekend of October. I said, uh, I reached out to him. He called me back. I said, you want to do the the earliest of early draft spots, whatever? He said, yeah. He said, um, I was at a game this weekend. I saw the best quarterback arm in the country this year. I said, oh, so you were at Tennessee, uh, Peyton Manning. He said, no, I wasn't at Tennessee. I said, well, and you didn't see the best arm in college football. He said, yeah, I did. This kid, Dante Culpepper from Central Florida. And I had heard the name. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But I had never watched him play. I wasn't watching Central Florida on a Saturday. If all the college football action is on, I'm not getting around to Central Florida. I had never seen him play. I said, so yeah. you're telling me I got to check out this guy, Dante Culpepper? Yeah, you better because he's got the best arm in college football. So I did. I started watching him. So I talked him up a blue streak leading up to that draft. He ended up being a first-round pick. After those top three, it was um, the best draft. Peyton didn't come out till uh, Peyton came out the year before, I guess it was. Yeah. Um, so it, uh, it, it was a little bit different. But I took Dave's advice on Culpepper and, man, he was a talented football player. You're right. When he hurt his knee, he just wasn't the same football player. He wasn't hurts like, but he could make plays with his legs too. That, that oh, yeah. was he that was, was great. Sort of was the, great runner. Yeah. the the coming out party of quarterbacks who could both throw it and run with it. Donovan, Achilles Smith could do it, and Culpepper were all those type of quarterbacks who could both uh, beat you from the pocket and beat you with their legs. Jody, I remember the first time I saw. Dante Culpepper on a practice field. I think it was 99, maybe. Um, I think that was the year. It was the 99. Yeah, 99. Yeah. I was just talking about it. Yeah, 99. Um, I So I saw him on the practice. I said, this guy's a stinking quarterback. He's 6'4", he's 260. Yeah, he's big. Um, it, bigger than some of the defensive linemen Minnesota had at the time. I mean, and he was an amazing athlete, but 2004 was the season. He completed 70% of his passes, 4,700 yards, 39 touchdowns. Um, it, it, it was absurd. It was absurd the year he had. Uh, and he was the offensive player of the year. Next year, he tore his uh, knee up really bad, yep. and it was, was never the same. But by his second year, he had 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions. He was, at that time, for that short frame, he was better than than Donovan McNabb, who was a phenomenal kid. And that's not an insult to Donovan at all. But yeah, I wonder if if, if Andy got him, uh, how good he would have been. Because Andy's, in my personal opinion, is the best 
coach ever when it comes to developing quarterbacks, um, at least in my era. I'm not going back, but in my era, um, nobody has done it better than Andy Reid. So, but getting back to Jalen Hurts, and I want to give credit to Nick Sirianni and, and Shane Steichen because I was thinking about this because it's Doug Peterson week, and I've had the opportunity over you know since. Doug got here in, in 2016 to, to watch the two best rookie coaches of their particular classes up close every day and see them learn and get better as coaches. Nick Sirianni is so much better than everybody else in his, his class. I'm sorry he is. Um, people could throw up brand and say, no, uh, you know, Doug Peterson, same thing so much better than everybody else in his coaching class. Um, all, all rookie coaches, you see it with Nathaniel Hackett. You know, everybody's dumping on him. Rightfully so. Don't get me wrong. That was a bad hire for this reason. They, they hired him to get Aaron Rodgers. He was sort of Aaron Rodgers bait. And they didn't get Aaron Rodgers. And then they're stuck with a coach. They, you know, they didn't hire him for the right reasons. But, you know, Everybody makes mistakes, but you got to learn. Same thing with players. Same thing with you. You got to learn from your mistakes. That's what Doug was able to do. That's what Nick's able to do. Build up has been very lucky um, when it comes to the past two head coaches and, and what could have happened and what the Eagles wanted to happen and what did happen because neither was the first choice. Um and, and things worked out very, very well. Has, uh, we're giving credit to the Eagles for their 24 to 8 win over the Commanders yesterday. A lot of emphasis on uh, the game that Jalen Hurts, with his talented wide receiving and tight end core, put up a ton of yards, 300 plus yards in the first half. That's off the charts good. But we do have to continue to come back to the defense because the defense was just dominant yesterday. And uh, the stat that jumps off the page is nine sacks. Nine sacks. I remember the game that Tommy referenced, the 11-sack game against Troy Aikman. There was a great – I'm sure that it's someplace, somewhere, saved somewhere. Uh, it was Troy Aikman's uh, rookie season. And there was a shot of him on the sidelines – He's got his helmet off, and there is just a dribble of blood coming down his chin. And he's staring off into the netherworld, and he just looked like a guy who said, what the hell did I get myself into? He was the number one pick in a draft. He went on to win all those Super Bowls. But this was before any of that happened. And Eagles sacked him 11 times, and he was just a beaten man. It was just ugly what they did to him that day and i remember i'll never forget the sight of aikman they had a close shot in his face you could see the blood coming off yeah i give troy a lot of credit because that first year whatever the cowboys i think they were one of 15 they they were oh and by the way the one game they won steve Steve walsh Walsh, yeah aikman didn't play yeah um they were a disaster and you've seen it with so many quarterbacks over the years that go to bad teams and they get David Carr is probably the best, you know, really talented player, but he was just besieged every week. Never recovered. Aikman was tough enough to to recover from that and go on to become the quarterback. He became really tough guy. Yeah. 
that that's not easy to do when you get besieged like that. And Carson Wentz was besieged yesterday by the Eagles' defensive line. But I think we need to keep coming back to this. We know that Slay had the big game that he had last week and was the defensive player of the week, not trying to take it away from him. He earned it. He deserved it. Yesterday, Bradbury and Maddox both played phenomenally as well. Maddox had that one great stop down by the goal line. Now it ended up the Eagles got tackled for a safety thereafter. So, but he kept the, uh, the commanders out of the end zone on a fourth down completion to a guy who has a half a foot and 60 pounds on him. Logan Thomas pulled him down at the one. That was a great play by Maddox, but his coverage, Bradbury's coverage, Bradbury doesn't get as much uh, of the limelight. As no, especially from Bob Groats, who really, I don't know, has taken a dislike to. We, we may uh, have to get Groats on again to, to see if he has the same evaluation that he has. I think he's a great player. I think... how, how many passes have uh, the other team made against him this year? Not many. You can remember, John. Not many. It just doesn't happen. He doesn't get beat. You know, I don't understand these people that go back at the all 22 and they say, well, if this happened and this happened, this receiver's open and Bradbury's, well, who gives a flying, you know what? Does everybody exactly. else do that? I mean, NFL receivers get open. Part of it is cover, cover and rush, rush and cover. JG always says you got to have both ends of the spectrum. Um, but I mean, the guy performs. I, yeah, he's not the fastest corner in the world. If 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 that were the the lone you know trait for good corners, there's there's a bunch of guys who run it can run in this league and make so many damn mistakes in coverage, like Rashad Wild Goose. Yeah, I don't know. I got to look up his forty time. I don't care what it is. He can run track in the Olympics. Who cares? I mean, the guy knows how to play. He's got a high football IQ. He's a great zone corner. The Eagles play a lot of zone. It's a perfect fit. I don't know what everybody's complaining about. Uh, there's just something wrong about a defensive back being named Wild Goose. I mentioned that yes, I got just, cooked like a goose. Doesn't seem to fit. Uh, but you're right. You know what it was about Groats? Because it was coming off the first game when we had him, and he had, now you gotta be honest here, that really bad missed tackle against Swift. Who went for a fifty yeah, spot? I mean, there. everybody, but everybody. That's one play. Yeah, one play. All and right, had... he missed the tackle. But other than that, the guy's been phenomenal. Yeah, and everybody, they had fourteen missed tackles in that opener, and that had something to do with the fact that oh, they didn't have one damn live environment in the in the preseason. They didn't play the starters, so yeah, I mean, they were a work in progress. Week one, they missed a bunch of tackles, but yeah, you got to get over that. I mean, it's they've been they they. They knew DSU in week one, and they corrected it. And they've been, I wouldn't say great, but they've been solid tackling since. So, Oh, yes, um, yes they damn close. I, I know sacks, we don't think of sacks as tackles, but that's exactly what they are. They're tackles behind the line of scrimmage. It's different than down the field, but you, you, you throw nine sacks into a, an evaluation afterwards. I would call that a good tackling game. And, oh, by the way, they tackled, tackled well down the field. Uh, amazing if you just break down that film I guarantee you put those two side by side eagle tackling week one eagle tackling week three there's only two weeks in between night and day Johnny Mac yeah I it it really is night and day and and you know that I thought it would be corrected because I thought they knew the issue 
Um, and it has been largely corrected. You know, uh, look, people nitpick. I nitpick. You got to nitpick. When things are going so well, you got to point out certain things. So I understand why they do it. You know, one of them is Jordan Davis in playing time. One of them's Nicole. I got a bunch of Nicobe Dean people saying, why, why isn't Nicobe getting on the field? I mean, he's not getting, there's nothing wrong with it. He's a rookie. He's not getting on the field when TJ's playing like that and Kaiser White's playing like that. There's nothing wrong with him. He's just a young player who's learning and he's got the luxury of learning behind two two linebackers that are playing at a very high level. There's nothing, there's nothing obscene about that. In fact, it's a, it's a nice position to be in to have, a, a young player getting to learn and, and instead of being thrown into the fire. Uh, but, you know, people need to complain. You, Johnny, you know how big a, uh, how big a fan of Dean I was leading into the draft. Couldn't believe Eagles got him in the third round. Uh, oh, I'd love to see him out there playing. Edwards and White aren't letting him on the field. It's that simple. Yeah. If if they were missing plays, missing assignments, missing tackles, I'd be going, how the hell did they have N'Kobe Dean anchored to the bench? What the hell are they thinking? White and uh, Edwards are playing great. They're both playing phenomenally. They're both staying. They're not, uh, no reason to take them off the field. So, yeah, N'Kobe's going to have to learn to grow slowly. I hope he's playing all the, the special team snaps, so he is getting some activity. He's just got to uh, wait for his time because right now, the Eagles linebackers shouldn't be taken off the field. They're playing that well. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it. And there's nothing, you know, it's got nothing to do with Nicobe Dean. He's not doing anything. The other guys are good players. And, you know, I've talked about TJ since the, he's the most underrated player on this team. Mm-hmm. I firmly believe so far I've been right. He's playing at a, a, a very high level. Hopefully that continues. You shouldn't hope it doesn't continue. Uh, and then hopefully Nicobe. Dean can get involved later when you need him down the line. Um, I gotta, I gotta say this because our buddy Rob Motti just broke it. Some good news in the NFL: the Pro Bowl is dead, Jody. The Pro Bowl is dead. It is replaced by the Pro Bowl games uh, taking place in Las Vegas. Of course, a week-long celebration of player skills featuring exciting new format format and they're going to have a flag football game at the end so the pro bowl the worst all-star game in the history of creation is finally dead so good for you nfl good i agree wholeheartedly um i might argue that the nba and the nhl all-star game are equally inept because uh, there's no defense played in any of the three at least major league baseball's game is batter against pitcher and the guys actually do try and catch the ball when it's hit to them they do play some defense in that game so there's there's one real all-star game and then there's three facsimiles at best good for the nfl for uh, moving off it because it sure as heck wasn't uh, necessary but here's the big question john this is serious stuff <laughs> because i know you do it i know i do it i know a lot of us do it when giving a recap of a guy's career evaluating even while he's still playing he's a three-time pro bowler he's a five-time pro bowler will we now say he's a six-time pro bowl competition player does that really mean and and i'm guilty i'll put my hand up guilty as charged i always make sure i i prep prerequisite with 
All-Pro first. He's a four-time yeah. All-Pro, six-time Pro Bowler. But I do mention Pro Bowls. We, we use that as kind of a defining line in part. Does that now go completely by the ball? What if you are an all-time great at the Pro Bowl competitions? Does that raise your level of how we look at you when your career is over and done? No, with? I don't think so. I, You know, I've been advocating this for years anyway. And this is what I think is going to happen. They're only going to invite Pro Bowl players for the Pro Bowl skills competition. So I've, I've argued for years. But, well, well, are you suggesting more are going to show up than usual? Because you know the way the Pro Bowls work. They have the first no. announcement. Then they have the replacement announcement. Then they have the replacement of the replacement announcement. And then finally you get down to about the sixth guy at a position who should make the team yeah. actually well, in the game. Well, mainly... I think more will show up. I think, you know, Vegas helps. And I think, uh, you know, Hawaii always helped as well. But um, I think more will show up because there's no game and they can have some fun during the week. But it's not like they're going to be inviting non-Pro Bowl players. So I've said for years, keep the honor, lose the game. Because the honor is important not only for what you said, but contracts, you know, you know. Pro Bowl is always used as the standard for um, incentives and things like that. So keep the honor, lose the game. That's what they're going to do. So you're still going to have Pro Bowl players. Uh, they're still going to be naming the Pro Bowl team. And, you know, now that they've readjusted the schedule anyway, you, you have the Super Bowl teams It's the week before. You have the Super Bowl teams that can't be involved anyway. And they always have a bunch of pro bowlers. So you're still going to have some replacements. I imagine we'll cut that down though, but the Eagles aren't going to have to worry about that because they're going to be in Glendale, right? We're, we're getting our, uh, they're not going to have any uh, people participating in pro bowl. Week. One of the two Mac and Mac guys did pick the Eagles. Yeah. The Super bowl not me. Won. I'm still, you know, I'm still hesitant on that one. Right. You know, by the way, if the season ended today, Jody and news, Newsflash, it does not. But if the season ended today, the MVP is Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I might lean toward that former teammate of his, the left-handed kid down in Florida. Oh, yeah. you Boy, you love Tua, man. I'm going Jalen Hurts over to and And now this will take off every single legal fan watching right now. Um, the Dolphins have been the best team in football so far. Now, you can only do what you can do. And the Eagles schedule is the Eagles schedule. But beating the Ravens in Baltimore and beating the untouchable Buffalo Bills. Now, that's fair. That's so fair. far and away better than anybody else. That's fair. That's yeah, Tua's leading they've the had, The two best had. teams in football were been. Oh, by the way, hold on. Let me try not to hurt myself, pat myself on the back. Uh, the Eagles and the Dolphins, yours truly selection to play in the Super Bowl this year. They have been the two best. Sorry to say, the Dolphins are slightly ahead of the Eagles, and Tua would be slightly ahead of yeah, Jalen. That's uh, that's fair. They've had a much more difficult road to three and zero than the Eagles, um, so I wouldn't disagree with you there. But I want to point to Birds three sixty five fans that Johnny Mac's not the hater. Jody Mac is the hater for for the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. How 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 are the how how are those Niners going to the Super Bowl this year? Yeah, I Jimmy G looked good well. last night against hey. that Denver defense. Well, Spike what was your football. pick to go to the uh, Super Bowl? 
spike the NFC. The spike the football after week three. I'm the hater. I got the Eagles in the Super Bowl. You got got Jimmy G in the Super Bowl, but I'm the hater. Well, first of all, when I made the prediction, it had nothing to do with Jimmy G. Uh, And Trey Lance got hurt and Jimmy G's back. So I took a big blow there. Anybody who knows me knows I'm not a Jimmy G fan. Uh, but yeah, just spike the football after week three. That's it. what Eagles fans are doing. I'll go back to being the hater. Uh, you know, spike the football after week three, but there's going to be travails up ahead. I don't know where they're coming, but they're coming. Yeah, good team, good. though. Good team. Very so, good team. So now, now you get on me spiking the football. You just called Jalen Hurts the MVP of the NFL. I so said, who's if spiking the football? If, if you rewind. I said, it's week three, and oh, by the way, the season doesn't end today. Yeah. But if it did end today, if it did end today, we got our buddy Chris Franklin popping in the green room. If it did end today, I think he's the MVP of the league. But it doesn't. It doesn't end today. Understood. Uh, If it ended today, it would be the Eagles and the uh, Dolphins in the Super Bowl, and I'd be a rich man. Well, you still got to have the playoffs, right? You got to get through the playoffs. Understood. That that three-game span of who would would even be in the playoffs? Do we still – do we have that information? Uh, Who who would be the seeds? Uh, we, we don't want to we, go. We down need that we need to do a little uh, tiebreaker magic because yeah. there's a whole bunch of teams that are two and one and one and two, but there are only two that are three and zero, oh, and that's the Dolphins and the Eagles. All right, McBone and McDonald coming back. Chris Franklin, NJ.com joins us next. Stick around. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits. 
as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Welcome back, guys, here on Birds 365 after a 24-8 beatdown blowout of the Commanders of Washington. We bring in our buddy Chris Franklin from NJ Live, broadcasting live from his fancy backyard again. We got the outside again, Franklin. You got the you got the coat on. You ready to rock? Nice out. Nice yeah. and crisp. Yeah. It, it's beautiful. Got the sun shining right now. I feel like I can give better answers. Got the yellow sun right yeah. here, giving me strength. Yeah, it'll be fun. <laughs> the vitamins of the sun. Yeah, it's gonna give you better. What do we got? Fourth and what? What? Do we, what does the shirt say? Fourth, Fourth and, and goal. goal. All right. That was, that was apropos. <laughs> apropos. Yeah, that was yeah. that was a tremendous catch. Well, both of them to get Devonte got them down to the one yard line with an amazing catch and took a, a, you know, kind of fell on his back. I got some Tyree Jackson flashbacks. I'm like, Ooh, that looked bad. That looked bad. And then he comes out for a couple, the, the Eagles can't punch it in. They don't want to go for field goal at the end of the half. They could have just taken the Jake Elliott gimme and man, he high pointed that football. Uh, Getty images or you, one of them had a great photo of him. It was great coverage. This wide receiver group, Chris, there's it, it's it is. I'm I'm amazed at how good AJ Brown is right off the bat, and then Devontae Smith is your number two. Wow, how good is that group? That is, they really do a lot, and they can really fit in. And the a thing I think you can do, you can still really interchange them anywhere. You can line them up on the outside. You can line up in a slot. And the way that I think that this offensive coaching staff has used them so far has been really good. And I don't even think we've seen the full playbook and assortment of things they can do yet. Because you look at when you have, when you're a team and you see all of a sudden, oh, great, we have a bunch formation. We got Brown, Smith, Quez Watkins on one side. Oh, oh yeah, you only had Dallas Goddard on the other side. Wait, how do you defend that? And I think overall, when you look at the way they've been playing so far, you haven't heard any selfishness. I know the wins help a lot, but these guys actually generally seem like it, they actually, you know, are cool and happy when the other guy goes off in the game. Really. And so this thing, and we didn't even talk about uh, Zach Pascal. We never talked about yeah. it deeper. So it's, yeah. it's a deep core. Let me address both of you guys with my next question. For John to prove that I'm not spiking the ball after only three games on the Eagles being three and zero, and you missed a fourth and goal. What the hell was that? Zach Pascal end around on fourth and yeah, goal. Yeah, yeah. That was well, the get a little play bit the Eagles too haughty. Did, did did Sirianni overrule Steichen on that one? Did he call yeah. that play for his boy Zach Pascal? Because that didn't work, and it just turned out ugly. Something you know, to get too haughty. 
I wonder if he was because Zach's from that area, and I wonder if you know he probably had a lot of family friends. I wonder if he was trying to get him in the end zone just so he could say, "Hey, all right, there you go." Like, and celebrate while you're yeah. home. But there are better ways to do that than doing that end around because we know the Eagles don't really do that. And I think in a closed in space, especially when you have that many guys in the box at the goal line, that's not really the pl- way to go with that sort of play. I think you should, if you're going to do that, you better do that back around like the 30 yard yeah, line, 40, you right. got more space. Plus, if you're going to do an end around, Chris, <laughs> you should do it with an end around type of player. Somebody, you know, like Curtis Samuel, for instance, on the other yeah. side. The first play of the game, end around, Curtis Samuel, 15 yards. He can do it. Zach Pascal, I'm not, he's not on my top list of 100. He's going to run end arounds. I think it's the, they're, they're trying to go for the always surprise and surprise himself. Yeah. <laughs> when they called, it's like, what, me on end around? I mean, I'll do it, but I don't know. <laughs> One of the very few shortcoming plays that the Eagles had yesterday. Uh, and we're giving a lot of love to the offense in uh, the 24-point second quarter that they had. But the defense was just as dominant and just as impressive yesterday. Nine sacks, eight from the defensive line, most of the time with no extra blitzes. We know Eagle fans love blitzes, but they didn't need to blitz because they got home with four yesterday. Uh, the Three things. Number one, the Eagles' defensive line was just that good. Number two, the commander's offensive line is injured and not all that good. Or number three, Carson Wentz still holds on to the damn ball for as long as he does. Put him in the order that they should be put as to why the Eagles came up with nine sacks yesterday, Chris. I think it, it was number one, Carson Wentz holds the ball on way too much longer than he should have. Then I think it came to – being honest, the commander's offensive line was. Oh, so you're giving the Eagles the, themselves the least credit of the three. And I'll say, only because when you look at that, these guys are playing a lot better. But when you, but when you look at that commander's offensive line, it was. I mean, I think we all three of us, you know, we can play the middle of that line right now, and, and we probably hold up better, probably maybe better at times because well, they what? they just got overworked. Yeah. That's center. <laughs> Ooh, that's center. Yeah. Nick Martin better get ready quick. Because yeah. they, they they need they need something at center. It looked um, like a blocking. He was using him like a blocking sled. He got he got under him and he was pushing him back. And all of a sudden he looked he looked up. I felt I felt bad for him because he like he got getting built back built back into a Wentz. And then Wentz had Wentz had some receivers open if he had, if he was given time to throw it, but he pulled it back in like the one he wanted to. And then we saw the old Carson Wentz reappear. And nine sacks later, Eagles have a win. Well, we're three and oh, Chris, and we're talking here, and something just popped in my my inbox. Uh, Eagles Super Bowl odds 12 to oh. 1 to 9 to 1 <laughs> to win the NFC 6 to 1, now 7 to 2. And by the way, number one in the NFC, still behind Buffalo and Kansas City to win, number one in the NFC to go to the Super Bowl ahead of the Green Bay Packers and Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who battled each other yesterday uh everybody getting ahead of themselves after three games against detroit um minnesota washington i think a little bit but i think the schedule is going to be is going to help them out a lot because next week you have jacksonville who was no pushover by the way we saw what they did to the chargers yesterday yeah then you start looking at the rest of the schedule and you're like all of a sudden, they can put the wins up to be a one or a two seed, and all the and if they do that, 
that game against the Packers, in my opinion, might be the one where you start looking like, all right, are they playing for home field? Just because of the way it rolls out. I think that stretch they have uh, where they had three straight road games might slip them up as well, too, later in the season. So I think it's it's a little early to go full board saying, hey, you know what? This is the number one seed team right here. They're going to win the NFC. But I could get it if they get – people start talking about the one seed overall because I think if they get the one – I can't really say this right now. It's like three weeks in, but if they ever were able to get there, <laughs> it's like that. But I, I can see why, because if they got the one seed, it's tough to play in Philly, and, and then the road having to go through Philly. Okay, yeah, I see that, but it's still. All right, but let yeah. me let me add this to the mix, and we haven't touched on this in an hour and a half. But let me get it from two guys who were there in the house. I'm just judging by my television because I'm here at home watching the game. Got it's a better view than we got. I, I had a broken TV. You had one better, at Yes, <laughs> I, I, I absolutely had a better view on my 60-inch flat screen. However, <laughs> I do not get the feel of the crowd, and you two guys did. I'm just judging off my TV. You sure that wasn't a home game for the Eagles yesterday? Because it sure as hell sounded like one. Sounded like there were just as many Eagle fans in that building as there were Commander fans. It seemed to me like Carson Wentz at times was having trouble communicating his plays. That's not supposed to happen when you're at home. The offense is not supposed to have to scream over the crowd. How big an Eagle crowd was there yesterday in Washington? I'd probably say about 70-30. 60-40-70-30. And you can really tell. I mean, when they got backed up towards – our far end zone, the one where we see, because you know the wonderful view that we have up at FedEx Field. But when we saw that far end zone, they were so backed up. You saw the two false starts penalties that the uh, commanders had yeah. were down that way. And it was all Eagles fans. You started looking behind the Eagles sideline, it was all green. And the area in front of us was the opposite end zone. You started seeing green speckled in there. It was huge. And yeah. you start to look, especially the fact that they got out to that fast start, it basically took whatever commanders fans were out there. It just took them out of the game. And it, it felt if anything, I don't know if you felt like this way, John, but it felt like anything around especially the third quarter, it just got weird because it was eerily quiet because commanders weren't doing anything. The Eagles struggled. It was just like a pin drop. Like, this is not home, some home field advantage the commanders have. Yeah. I, you know, when it started, I thought it was about 50-50. And then, as you mentioned, when it became clear the Eagles were dominating, then it seemed, I don't know if people snuck out, then it seemed yeah. like <laughs> more of a 60-40, 70-30. And they were, you know, Eagles fans were making all the noise. I know Nick Sirianni said, you know, our goal, our goal, by the way, like you can control it, was to get them to use the silent count. And they did. They had to. So, you know, there's certain places the Chargers, the Rams have to use silent counts at time at, at home, um, especially when they're playing certain teams. Yeah, the commanders. <laughs> that's That's a bad situation. When you have to use a silent count at home, uh, but Eagles fans, they travel well. That's why Detroit surprised me so much because there wasn't, they didn't let the Eagles fans in Detroit. It, it really, really surprised me. Um, here, obviously, it's so close, and they took over as they usually do. Yeah, and I think with any, with especially Detroit, I think any glimmer of hope because you can see there are fan base that is just waiting to at least. Like you know, make some noise at least get back to the playoffs at least be that one. And they're they're in a way. I look you look at Detroit. You see a lot of like the Eagles fans and right now the Phillies fans when it comes to that matter. When you're waiting so long to get the playoffs, you want to cheer their team on, and they finally got a chance. To, like they thought they finally had a chance to do so. Now the results haven't been the way it should be because. But I think Detroit's a better team because of it. 
And it's yeah. overall the product that put it on the field is better. So I think they just yeah. got to learn how to win the Lions. I think they're a good team, but they don't know how to win yet. And I think when they get over the hump, it'll be pretty good. But you know, yeah, this is not Lions 365. So we'll keep it <laughs> we'll keep it on the Eagles. Um, you know, defensively, actually I want to talk about Shane Steichen. I was gonna talk about Jonathan Gannon, but you know, JG got the three coaching interviews um in the offseason gets a lot of, of angst here in philadelphia um certainly his defense has played well over the past two weeks but i gotta tell you chris if this offense continues to play like this shane steichen's the one out the door i mean he's getting a head coaching job if they continue to play at this at, at this level um agree or disagree I will hardly agree because when you look at his just beginning his track track record, just he was there for Justin Herbert's rookie season. Look at the year he had when he came there. Then he comes here with Jalen Hurts. Well, almost of course, he comes here with Jalen Hurts, and you look at the progression that he made. He's continually made. I mean, you see him over there. He's. I think it kind of helps. Has helped both Herbert and Hurts when it comes to the fact that he was a former quarter quarterback himself, so he could put himself in that situation. And he continually works. He and Brian Johnson together working with his footwork as well, too. And he calls the offense as balanced as he possibly can. You know, he, another knock on him when he was coming over the Eagles were all he does is run the ball and throw screens. I think when you look at the situation they had at Chargers, he had a rookie quarterback. They get pretty comfortable. I think when you look at his play design, when you look at the, the flow of the play call, and we've seen teams want to bring in guys who want to who can pull, call their own plays to be the head coaches. The teams like to do that. So I think he definitely is. I wouldn't be surprised. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if next year we're looking at Brian Johnson is the offensive coordinator and Denard Wilson is the defensive coordinator. Cause I still think Gannon's going to got that cachet around the league that Eagles might have two quarterback coordinator spots they have to fill. All right. Eagle beat guy question. Cause you guys handled this as much as you do uh, for the third time this season. And you can only do it three times. The Eagles called up uh, Covey from the practice squad to return punts. Didn't again, do anything. He caught them all. He almost misplayed one, but he got it. And, didn't break anything, so it's not like he's wowed anybody so far um, this year. There were very few eagle return kicks yesterday because the, the, the team didn't score. So the uh, over the, yeah, that's about it. Uh, get the kickoff stuff over and done with. Again, not a strong suit of the Eagles so far. The the return game, but what's going to happen with Cubby? Is he a elevation next week? Does he make it on to the fifty three? Who's coming off? Uh, does Howie Roseman have a move up his sleeve for uh, this week with the Eagles return game? I think I think they saw at fifty two, so I think they make yeah, sure they have they, a spot they, to move him up. They only have fifty two, yeah. And just look, I think I think it's still Cubby. I really think he's going to be the one there elevate him. It was I think it's a way to basically prorate the contract, not to pay him for three weeks as a full thing. They can just use him at the elevation salary. They move him up that way, and. I think they feel the confidence like he's got. He's the one that can consistently catch the ball when back there. And I say that now after he muffed that one yesterday. But I think when you look at, I think they they value that. No fact, they value that more sometimes than actually you know making the runs. They would like to have somebody that can break one off. And short of like signing Deshaun Jackson, still sitting out there as just like, hey, you're a comeback, you're a punt return only. I don't. I think they just roll with Cubby from here on out and. If, yeah, if I, 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 I thought it was interesting, Chris, that when when Washington was backed up, 
and they had a chance for a return. They put Devontae out there, yeah. which I liked, which I liked. But that kind of tells you, all right, well, they know what, what Britain is, and that's the safety, the security guy. And he did, you know, mop one. He was able to get it back. To me, this is interesting because, and by the way, Britain got beaten up, man. Oh, it's like, oh my. Oh, my. oh, my. You talk about small. We talk about, you, you were, Jody, you brought up Devontae Smith coming in, 160. Britain Kobe is, I'm, I'm concerned for his safety. Um, <laughs> and he's such, a, he's such a nice guy. Another little tweak, they put him back on kickoffs. Nobody noticed. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. they were just kicking touchbacks, but they finally realized, hey, Quest, thanks for, you know, thanks for trying, but he's just not good at kick return. So they have a spot. I think they're going to elevate him, but I don't think he's safe, uh, you know, if they can find something else moving forward. That's how I would describe it. Your thoughts on that? It's, it's almost like they usually, I remember seeing them with that, uh, they put Devontae, it's almost like they usually when they had a, uh... I'm, I'm drawing a blank, but they used they brought in Jackson at times when they needed yeah. a, a spark or had a chance. High leverage, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I I wouldn't be surprised they did that. I mean, I've seen. I mean, when you look at the options the team had right right now between that, Quez hasn't done it since college, so you can't put him back there. I mean, you had Avante Maddox, like he hasn't done it in college since that, and you don't want to put two guys like Maddox or Smith, even Watkins. I put him in that thing because I think he's important to what they do on offense to have the position where they where they get the point like. Oh, I can return this. They catch the ball, and next thing you know, they get smacked, and you're without them for the rest of the game. So, it's a really limited choice they have, and I think that it's almost like the best of all the situations they go with Kobe. I'm, fact, although this all season, they got to get they got to get somebody because if they want to get somebody more dynamic, they got to go right and get somebody. Right. I remember back to the preseason, I brought Devontae Smith up because he did it on a limited basis, but he did it tremendously well at Alabama. Yeah. And Johnny hit the nail on the head. He said, don't be surprised if in specific situations they put him back there. And sure enough, the first one came up yesterday that they gave him a shot. Uh, and I think they'll continue to do that. Um, let me ask you about the running game. Was it needed yesterday? This is kind of playing into what John said early in the show that, come on, don't worry about the second half. They were, the game was over by halftime, so don't put too much emphasis on the second half. Same thing with the running game. They really didn't run the ball much yesterday, and when they did, it wasn't all that effective. Uh, Miles didn't have a great, a great game. Neither Scott nor uh, Gainwell made any kind of plays when they were handed the football. Just chalk it up as one of those didn't need it, so don't sweat it, or a legit concern from yesterday, Chris? Well, I think when you look overall, when, once William Jackson III was inactive, I thought that I was like, okay, you know what? Usually I'm more of a balanced guy. To sit, run and set up the pass and everything. I think once Jackson went, I was like, okay, just just throw the ball down the field because they were, were really Wild crazy. Goose not uh, scaring you. Yeah, the goose got cooked. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, nah, nah, nah. nah. I, I was sitting there looking like, and I was looking looking at the field, and I'm looking at the way they were playing their techniques. Sitting there like, they could if they really if the Eagles really decided to, you know what? Let's just throw, throw, throw down. Jalen Hurts could have really put up like 450, 500 yards if he wanted to, if they really wanted to call that play because they were, they were receivers getting open. They tried, they, the commanders were trying everything. They were they really were trying, they trying all this empty zone didn't work because they're kind of underneath. They're trying man to man didn't work because they were going up top. So, yeah, I don't, I'm not concerned as of yet. I think, especially with that big lead that they had, but 
I think they just did. I think they were trying to run. If, if they had a running clock in the NFL, they were going to try to do that. Just run, yeah. run, run. Okay, that's yeah. good enough. Nice. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, but one of the things I tell Jody this all the time. I think Detroit was the offensive line, um, and and with Washington, it was Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. And Nick Sirianni talked about it all week. So it wasn't like revisionist history. He was like, those guys are good. Those guys are really good. And, you know, that's just the strength of Washington. It's tough to run on those guys. And now in the first couple of weeks, they have been run on. So I think people kind of, um, you know, said, well, they've been getting gashed. But all of a sudden you do the overcorrection like the Eagles did week one to week two. They had all the missed tackles. You have the overcorrection. They said, all right, we got to we gotta button this down, especially with the top-ranked, you know, running offense coming in. And I just think Allen's that good. I think Payne's that good. And you're not going to face those guys every week. So take advantage of Rashad Wild Goose and those corners in that defensive backfield. I think that's smart coaching. I, I, give, I give Nick and – Shane and, and Jonathan Gannon uh, as well from the defensive side, a lot of credit for, for the game plan. Yeah, and, and you look at – and Al, Allen was really getting inside that gap between Landon Dickerson and, and Jason Kelsey. And, and and Landon wasn't healthy either. He yeah. was playing through a foot injury. And well. we, we saw – I think he saw, especially when they got that lead, they pulled everybody out when it, when it comes in. Landon, uh, Dallas, and everybody else, they started pulling them out, but – I look at uh, you look at the interior line. I think that's going back to a previous question. I think when you look at teams like the Rams, when you look at Vita Vea and the Bucks, I think that's where I think teams could take advantage of it right now because it just seems like we got those powerful guys in the middle of that offensive line. They seem to have a little bit issues with that as well too, and they get the pressure up the middle. Thankfully, they, for the Eagles, they have a guy like Kurt who can elude that and move out and roll out to if he needs to. But I think that's something to watch from this from the as the year goes on and see how if they are able to correct it when they go against big physical guys in the middle of the line like that. All right, Chris, now that we've gotten the Carson Wentz reunion in the rearview mirror coming up this week, the head coach of the opposition is a guy who's quite familiar to the Philadelphia fan base. I'll go way out on a limb and say the Jaguar fans won't be taking over Lincoln financial field the way the Eagle fans did yesterday down there in Washington but how many Eagle fans will be wearing a visor in homage to the only <laughs> coach who ever brought the Super Bowl here to Philadelphia? I think, you know, see, the visor can be used for Nick, too. See, I was like, all right, cool. I can see both. But you know what? I think there'll be a few signs. I think there'll be a few signs. Uh, I don't know if people are going to lay flowers at the feet of the statue for for Doug and uh, Nick at the bottom going, pay homage, going, thank you, Doug, and everything. And they'll play the yeah. video tributes on the board and everything. But it's going to be – I think these guys – it's going to be another one of those things where these guys are going to respect them. I think this game is going to be a lot closer than people think. I think they are – the Jaguars are very athletic, and I think they are on defensively. They have players who could keep up with Hurts if they decide to spy a little bit. I think also on the corner. So, I look overall, and I think this – I wouldn't be surprised if this winds up being like a 10-point, 7-point Eagles win. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit like 4-3. So, it's – Jaguars present they, because they have their own. They present their own problems for Eagles as well, too. Yeah, at C Franklin News, uh, read him at nj.com. He's everywhere now. South Jersey Times, Lehigh Valley Live, Times of Trenton. You can read Chris there as well. 
Um, one more Doug question, because we just got through Jalen Rager week, um, and now we got through Carson Wentz week. Now, obviously, Eagles fans didn't like Jalen Rager. They no and you know who's the week after? Zach Ertz. Yeah. Just now, one after the other well, after the and, other. And Zach, <laughs> Zach, now Doug is well-liked, and Zach is well-liked. That Eagles fans will be nice to Doug Peterson, at least till the, the game starts, right, Chris? It's not going to be okay. the angst of Jalen Rager or Carson Wentz. Because I think they'll look and they'll, I think they'll still look and go, well, Doug was all right. Doug, the question about Doug at the end was about his coaching placements. And that's when it ultimately let him go. But I think overall, when you look at what Doug did for the city and his mannerisms and everything else, I think people liked him a lot around here. Especially the question, like he galvanized the city over that 2017 season, and he got a pass for most of it. I think after that until yeah. 2020, was like, Ugh. so I think a lot of people were still, they still have very good feelings for him. It's not going to be one of those we hate you, blah blah blah. I think they may go, they may laugh a little bit if they start to see some of those same play calls and everything else that we saw three, two, three years yeah. ago with and a lot, of, a lot of. The I would press. I should have brought up Press Taylor. Press can yeah. coach again. Uh, a bit. <laughs> and and our buddy Ryan Paganetti doing the the fourth down stuff uh, in Jacksonville. They're being very Former Eagle Mike Caldwell, well. yeah. linebacker Mike Caldwell too. So yeah, I I think it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. And I hope Doug changes playbook a little bit because a lot of these guys might still remember some of his calls and, and, and mannerisms as well too. <laughs> All right, last thing for me, Chris. Uh, number one. What the hell are those bird noises? Is that your phone? That's nice, you, man. No, it's actually, it's actually birds. We actually we yeah. have blue jays, you cardinals, everything. It's like fucking nature right here. That is yeah. serene. Talking, now yeah. I know why Chris yeah. is out there. I'd yeah. be out yeah. there writing. And right outside. <laughs> Sounded like yeah. eagle fans to me, but uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, uh last thing. <laughs> will the Eagles be in sole possession of first place by this time tomorrow? Or will they be sharing that with the New York Giants? I think they'll be sharing it with the Giants. I the think Giants they do. I, win tonight, huh? I, I think Boy, they will because Giants. I think they. Whoa. I, yeah. I, I got to think about Brian Dayball for coach of the year if he gets to 3-0. and I'm giving I, him coach of the year. <laughs> take that squad, yeah. All I think right, so McMullen's got Hurts as MVP and Dayball as coach of the year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Early I, I think, lead. Should be a good one tonight. I don't yeah. know if it's going to be. Pretty football, but it should be competitive. So uh, we'll be exactly. talking about it here on Birds <laughs> tomorrow. We'll do so without the bird noises and Chris Franklin. So the it's going to be a tougher task for us yet tomorrow. Yeah. Chris, thanks well, for hopping Go on, birds. Buddy. Go birds. Say yeah, go, go birds yeah. here. Can you get the birds to do that one more time? Can't see if you can get them. Uh, see, see. Talk. Talk now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now they want to go with B-Shot. Yeah, I guess they right. might say go birds. Uh, Chris, always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks, pal. Thanks, Thank you, guys. Chris. Appreciate it. Thank you. Chris Franklin from uh, his backyard with the birds serenading us in the background. Yeah. Go birds. on the birds that we follow on a day-in, day-basis here on Birds 365. All right. McMullen and McDonald. Mac and Mac guys, come back. Put a bow on the show. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. 
go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Your MAGA Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald here on Birds 365, trying to put a little bow on the show here. And yes, we'll be tuned tonight to the Giants and the Cowboys because if the Giants win, they're actually one of three teams in the NFL that haven't lost yet. Eagles, Dolphins, Giants. Two, who would have thought that? Uh, three teams undefeated after three weeks and two of them reside in the NFC East. Yeah, we didn't really see that one coming. All right, uh, Johnny Mac, I know you've got responsibilities today, including hearing from Nick Sirianni on his day after press conference. What throwback jersey will he be wearing today? Yeah, the pander in chief was back. My dog is five minutes early. She wants to go out. So I have a lot to do uh, today. But yeah, he brought the Mike Quick jersey out and said Mike's better than Art Monk, which, you know, Art's in the Hall of Fame. But yeah, I mean, we got some. Uh, we got some Nick Sirianni pandering, but it's all good. You know, with 3-0, and you can do what you want. Uh, and Nick's um, always been. Can I can I take a, a little bit of a guess here? Uh, Phillies need a little help. Lost that game. In yeah, maybe. We, he hasn't. To my, I do not believe. I'm pretty sure I'm there every uh, He has not broken out the. Billy's gear this year. Yeah, I and think now he's you got the Sixers, Johnny Mac, uh, Jody Mac prediction. Maybe Nick's yeah. even listening, standing in front of his wardrobe as we speak. 
Phillies yeah. need a little love there, Coach. You're three and zero. You can't lose. How about lending a helping hand to your baseball you know, team I, here I, in I, town? This is my prediction. Only a prediction. I don't think you're going to see Phillies, Sixers, or Flyers gear this year. He's going. He's going real. Oh, this year, whole year. Yeah, this year. He's I so think, zeroed in on the Eagles. He can't show some love to the other teams. The hey, Pander in Chief. Nick listens to stuff, and, and he hears everything. He's not like Jalen Hurts. He hears everything. I think he took some of that to heart last year. Too much over the top. Uh, he's just going to stick Oh, yeah. In. So, so let me roll in a Mike Quick jersey. Come no, on. no, no. I'm saying he's going to stick with the with the Eagles stuff. Eagles every day. It's Kenny Gainwell football camp. It's Mike Quick jersey. It's Brandon Graham shirt. It's Lane Pave the Lane shirt. No, he's, he's going to. He's staying in his lane, yes. is what you're saying. He's, he's not getting it's, out it's of gonna the be all Eagle, Eagle lane stuff. this year. Yes, it's going to be all Eagle stuff. I was still pandering from the Eagles' perspective, but that makes some sense. I have no problem with that. When when you start breaking out the Phillies gear, and oh, by the way, you know, he's got, when he would wear the Phillies or Sixers gear or, or Flyers gear, you know, he'd have it off to the side. He'd put it on for the press conference and then immediately take it off. So it was, you know, kind of, you see the green underneath. It's kind of right. absurd. But anyway, yeah. Here's the reason why I think he could go Philly stack. The Phillies were out. I know one guy got more uh, video time than anybody else. Bryce Harper, prominently there Monday night versus the Vikings last week. Phillies were taking the Eagles back. Did the Eagles turn around and do the same? The, 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 the lead guy. Yeah. No, no. I yeah, I think okay. he's staying. I staying. He's all Eagles, all Eagles, all, all right. the time. I'm, I'm going. I'm going. Uh, with I could be. It wouldn't be the first time I'm wrong, as you pointed out, Jody. I've already buried with the 49ers. Thanks, uh, thanks, Kyle Shanahan. Thank you. Your boy Kyle is uh, gonna have to make it up as he goes along here. Um, all right, then we'll see what uh, Nick uh, rolls out rolls out in today. Um, he's not going to tip his hand. He is Mr. Competitive Advantage. If anybody asks a question about Doug Peterson, what the hell does he say? He wasn't here when Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson kind of opened the door for him to become head coach in the National Football League. I'll tell you exactly what he's going to say. This I, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I don't even think he knows, because I, I think I've asked him this before. I don't think he ever knew Doug or, you know, other than, you know, meeting um but he'll say something like, but I know Frank Reich really well, and he speaks so highly of Doug. So he'll go down that that route, mm. and that's that's where I think he'll go. Uh, he'll lean on the conduit of Frank Reich, uh, and and you know give 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 Doug Peterson his flowers as well. He should, by the way. That's uh, probably a smart way to handle it. We'll see how Sirianni does. Uh, I know you got to get over there, get the dog out. I'll get you back here in 22 hours. You ready to do another Birds 365 Let's tomorrow? Let's do it. 3-0, Jody. 3-0. and We're 300. What show is this? 369. 369-0. We're 369-0. and I got to wait. about that. Uh, <laughs> we got more wins and losses. We know that today was a win. Thanks to Chris Franklin and Tommy Lawler for hopping on. We'll be back in two and two, Eagles fans. You've been listening to Birds 365. <laughs> 
the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.